Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Anyway, well, go ahead, if you're not there already, Genesis 13, uh, we're going to have all the scriptures behind me on the screens if you don't have a copy uh, in your lap or in your hands. Um, But again, this is A Walk with Abraham. This is part three. If you're taking notes today, the title of my message is very simply this, Seeing Things God's Way. Can you say that with me? Seeing Things God's Way. Let's bow, let's pray. Father, I pray today that you would help us do that very thing. Lord, we want to see things your way. Come on, let's lift our hands right now to the Lord. God, I pray today that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart that is inclined to do your will. God, I pray that you would give us, Lord, a fresh uh, vision of your word and your will for our lives. And God, I just pray for all my friends here at the 11 o'clock service. God, I just pray for uh, open heaven over this place, Lord, that you would speak to us loudly and clearly. And I pray that we would be changed forever because of this word that I'm going to speak today. So Lord, use me. Use me, I pray. Take the fish and the, the loaves, multiply it. God, use it for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. All right, are y'all ready to get into the word? All right, well, let me give you just a little bit of recap, a little review of where we've been to make sense of where we are today. I hope you've been enjoying this sermon series. Uh, I trust that's why you're here. But it's, a, it, it's such a practical one because we are getting into the story of Abraham to see his steps, to see how he walked, where he walked, and we're looking for parallels for our own lives. And I love this, this man we call Abram initially, and then eventually we know him as Abraham. And y'all know the song, Father Abraham had many sons. Y'all know the song? You might know the song? Okay, some of you are like, what is he singing? Okay, well, it's, it's a song if you grew up going to church. But uh, we know this man, uh, Abram or Abraham, as a man of great faith, don't we? Isn't that what comes to mind when you hear that, that name, a- Abraham or Abram? Yeah, well, that's true. And uh, a lot of times when we think about this man, we think about, well, those times in his life when he made the right decision, when he stepped out in faith. But, of course, if you walk through the story long enough, you're going to see that, uh, on one hand, Abraham was a man of great faith. But there are times when he was also a man of great fears. And we, we've seen this so far as we walk through the story together. Just to do a little bit of review here, okay? Watch this. Let me give you a quick, concise review. We started weeks ago with Abraham, Abram being called out of where? Who remembers? A place called Ur, Ur of the Chaldeans. God called, called this man out, and he said, I want you to go to the place, Abram, that I'm going to show you. Well, we know from the story that Abram left Ur, and, uh, well, he didn't initially go to the place God showed him. He went to a place called, who remembers? Haran, yeah. He ran to Haran. He left uh, Ur behind. He went to a place called Haran, and he got hung up in Haran, 600 miles northwest. But it wasn't the place God called him to go. He and his family went there, got hung up there. Finally, after his father Terah died, Abram moved on. But it's so encouraging. I've heard uh, many people come and say, man, thank you, Pastor Scott, for especially that message because some have said, you know, I I was hung up in Haran. I was hung up on something in my walk, and that message helped to set me free. And how many of y'all know that's what the Word does? The Word, when believed and received, it sets you free. And I, and I hope that God has been doing that through this message series. I hope some of you who maybe were hung up, you've been set free, you're able to step out in faith and trust God and move on from that place. But as we've gone through the story, Abraham started in Ur, went to Haran, got hung up there. But then last Sunday, if you remember, Abraham and his family traveled all the way down to the place called what? Who remembers? If you've read the story. Canaan. It's the promised land. It's the place that God would show him. Well, Abram arrives there. He goes there with his family. And when he gets there, you remember the story? God appeared to Abram. And he said, I'm going to give this land to your offspring forever. Now, how many of y'all know that's a big promise? I'm going to give you this land. It's going to be your offspring forever. Well, in that place, I mean, it's a great promise, but there was a problem, wasn't there? 
The problem was that there were Canaanites in the land. The land was full, but Sarai's womb was what? Was barren. So you've got, you've got occupation of the land, and then you've got the barrenness of her womb. But God appeared to Abram, gave him this incredible word. And I love what Abram did. We're told that, that he built an altar to the Lord which is a place of surrender. It's a place of sacrifice. And he built the altar to the Lord in the land, which was basically his way of consecrating the land to his descendants and to God, saying, this is the land God is giving us. Well, he builds the altar, has this incredible moment of faith, but then, well, the Bible tells us that there was a famine in the land. And so what did Abraham do? Well, we're told that presumably by fear, he leaves the land and goes down to where? Then he goes down to Egypt. And he does so for provision. And how many of y'all know fear will make you do foolish things? Fear will drive you to do foolish things. God never said, Abram, go to Egypt. God said, Abram, I want you to go to the land. But out of fear, because of the lack of provision, Abram, go, he goes down into Egypt. And y'all know the story. There's a whole big dramatic episode that happened there. Thank God, though Abram was driven down by fear, it was God's favor that brought him out. Yeah. And how many of y'all know that's a, that's a picture for our lives? That, that fear drove him down, but God's favor got him out. How many of y'all are thankful for the favor of God? That even though he made a mistake, he misstepped. Okay, God's favor was upon him. But, but more than anything, what I want to remind you of this morning is that Abram was a man of great faith. But Abram was also a man of many fears. He's called, Abraham's called the father of many nations, but he was also a man of many fears. And you say, well, Pastor Scott, why do you, why do you like this about Abram? Well, I mean, I start smiling because when I read about people who royally mess things up in the Bible, I'm like, I'm not the only one. <laughs> How many of y'all are thankful? You're not the only one. How many of y'all know our, our Christian journey, man, it's like a roller coaster. We have our ups and we have our downs. How many of y'all can say that's true of your own life? Now, the trend is onward and what? Where? Upward, right? How many of y'all still get down? You still get down. Let me see your hands. Emotionally, you get down. How many of y'all would say, but because of the promises of God, though you go down, you get down, you don't stay down. You go up. Come on. The, the trend is onward and upward. We're, we're growing. And my low points today are higher than my low points of yesteryear. How about y'all? Because the trend is onward and upward in faith, believing the promises of God. Well, I like this story because it's like a mixed bag of faith and fear. And I'm like, I can connect with that. It's been said that, that people impress us with their strengths. I'm impressed by people's strengths. But I connect with people because of their weaknesses. When I hear about somebody's weakness, I'm like, I can connect with that. That sounds like something I would do, right? When I read about Peter, I read about Abram or somebody that messed something up, I'm like, thank you, God, that person or those persons are in the Bible. That's something that I would have probably done, and I'm very thankful for God's grace and his mercy. How about y'all? How many of y'all made some stupid decisions? Go, everybody just go like this. Wives, take your husband's hand and go like that, and vice versa. Come on, we can, we've all made dumb, sinful, stupid decisions. Thank God for his amazing grace. Can I get an amen? Thank God for his amazing grace grace. And so I'm impressed by strengths and by talents and abilities, but I connect. I connect with Abram because of his weaknesses. And so as we read this together, I want you to find yourself in the story. I want you to identify the best you can with Abram because, yes, he was a man of great faith, but he was also a man of many fears. But today we're going to pick up the story in Genesis 13, and watch this, y'all. Look up here. We're going to see Abram shine. We're going to see one of his finer moments. Now, if you keep coming, you're going to see, well, week after week as I preach the word, if it's Abram or whomever, well, things can change a lot in one verse, right? One chapter can, well, be really, really good. Then you keep reading, and then things can go south pretty fast. But just today, we're going to hover on the good report. We're going to see Abram truly shine in this story. So I'm about to read this. If you're ready, say ready. Here we go. Uh, Genesis 13, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says. So Abram went up from where? He went up from Egypt. He and his wife and all that he had and a lot with him into the Negev. Now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. And he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel. Look at this. 
to the place where his tent had been at the, at the beginning. He went back to the altar, back to that place where he started, back to where he started this journey. And then we're told, and there Abram called upon the name of the Lord. Verse 5. And Lot, who went with Abram, his nephew, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that, listen carefully, the land could not support both of them dwelling together. For their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was what? Strife. Everybody say strife. Strife. Conflict. I mean, that's a strong word. There was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and Perizzites were dwelling in the land. Now, that's a lot of information. Let me simplify this as much as I can. Picture this. Abram and Lot are standing in the land. They're both standing in the land. But they received word that their herdsmen were quarreling. Why? Well, because simply stated, Abram and Lot had a lot. Okay? They had a lot. They were rich. Livestock, animals, possessions. I mean, both had a lot of possessions. And so their herdsmen were quarreling, basically saying, well, there's not enough provision. There's not enough space in this general area. There's not enough provision within it to support us both. And so if you can imagine the herdsmen out in the field quarreling with strife over this very issue. Well, here we read about the story because here's essentially what's happening. The Canaanites and the Perizzites were there, and these people groups had the best of the land where they were standing in that general area. And so this this strife broke out because of the issue of essentially, well, they're not being enough. I'm going to come back to that later. The issue was... The fear was there wouldn't be enough to support both. No, time out, real quick. How many of y'all have been following all the mess over in Israel? Let me see your hands. You've been watching it on the news. Hamas uh, attacking Israel. Let me see your hands one more time. Some of y'all aren't. Some of you are like, I don't even want Okay. Well, right now, there's major conflict in Israel. There's been a lot of bloodshed. It's terrible what's happening right now in the land of Israel. But please note this. What's happening now, uh, it just recently broke out again, but the conflict there, it's not new. It's been happening for many, 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 many years, thousands of years. As a matter of fact, the same general area where we're going to see Abram and Lot separate, where this strife took place, is the general area where there's conflict now between Hamas and Israel. You can look at a map and trace it back. It's the place of conflict. And if you study the lineage of Ishmael and Isaac and you see the conflict there between those lines, it it started a long time ago and it's continuing through this very day. It is a place, Israel is a place of conflict. And I don't want to oversimplify, but let me just say this. Unfortunately, historically, many people have hated the Jews. And there there, there are different reasons why that's the case. And I can't get into all those reasons today. Obviously, Hitler hated the Jews. And he wanted to blame them for the misfortune in Germany. And I could give you so many other horrible examples of anti-Semitism in the world throughout the centuries. And how many of y'all know that's sin? Nobody knows that. How many of y'all know that's sin? If you didn't know that, let me tell you. It's sin. It's wrong. It's horrible, okay? So through the years, we've seen militant anti-Semitism. We've seen people against the Jews because of their ethnicity... But we've also seen, historically, there has been a fight for their land. There has been war over the land. And so on one hand, it's because people, some people have hated them, but then simultaneously, they not only hated them, but they also want the land. And so there's been conflict in that region for a very long time. And here, here's what we should see, okay? People have asked, Pastor Scott, is what we're seeing now like the fulfillment of a specific like passage or prophecy or verse in the Bible? And my answer is no. What's happening right now with Hamas and Israel? No, there's not a verse or a passage or a prophecy that I can say, oh, that that just got fulfilled or it's being fulfilled. But what I can say, and let me just go to Jesus straight to him. Jesus said in Matthew 24 that there will be wars and rumors of wars. 
Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And Jesus tells us, don't be troubled, don't be alarmed. There's going to be trouble in the world. These things must take place. Now, someone said, well, maybe, Jesus, that's easy for you to say. <laughs> don't, don't let your heart be troubled. You know, don't be alarmed at these things. Jesus was about to go to heaven above it all. Uh, we're, we're the ones left down here, okay? But, but the truth is, when Jesus says that we should not be alarmed, well, we should take him at his word, shouldn't we? Now, on one hand, it's very disturbing, but here, here's how we have to see it, okay? What's happening now is very disturbing, but Jesus says in Matthew 24, that there will be wars and rumors of war. One day, Jesus is coming back. How many of y'all are looking forward to that day? Okay, let me bring this together simply. There's way more to say. Let me just say it simply for now in this way. Jesus said that it's like birth pangs. Mamas, let me see your hands. All right? And, and dads, men, you haven't experienced them firsthand. Men, you never will. I have to say that today because some, okay, anyway, that's another message. Listen carefully. But, but men, you drove your spouse, your wife to, to the hospital, right? And you, did you feel her pain on the way? Kelly pulled out all my arm hairs when, uh, when we were on the way for her to deliver Presley. But what happens, ladies? The closer you get to giving birth, what happens? The contractions get closer and the pain gets what? Greater, right? The contractions get closer Together, and the pain gets greater. Jesus said that essentially, as you look out at the pain in the world, wars, rumors of wars, the horrible things that happen, it's all inevitable. And they're like birth pains. They're going to increase wars, rumors of wars, increase in, in, in frequency and intensity. It's just a part of it that I'm not saying that like, oh, well, that's okay. No, it's going to be disturbing on one hand. But to know that in God's plan... These things must take place. And what happens, ladies, when you, you go into labor, you give what? Birth. How many of y'all know Jesus was born into this world 2,000 years ago? He was delivered into this world, and he's coming again to deliver us from this world. And so as the pain gets greater, the contractions get closer, come on, y'all, the sun is coming back. And so that's what we are to look for, okay? And, and also, please pray for Israel. Pray for every citizen there. Pray for a mighty move of God that, that the Jewish people and everyone who lives there come to see Jesus as their Messiah. Pray that. Pray for their comfort. Pray for all the, who are mourning the loss of loved ones. But how about this as well? Pray for Hamas. Pray that there will be a move of God throughout the Middle East and that every Muslim will hear the gospel and that people, both Jewish and otherwise, will hear and be saved. That should be the Christian response. Okay, so there's more to say, but I, I want to show you, though, this conflict that started in the text all those years ago, well, it, it occurred, it broke out in the land that, generally speaking, is where conflict is happening now. Expect more to come. I, I hate to say it, but it's just, it's a part of, it's a part of it. But, but I want to show you today how calm and collected Abram was about this conflict over the fact that there was conflict between his herdsmen and Lot's. Listen to what he says. Are y'all with me today? Genesis 13, 8 and 9. Listen to what he says. Then Abram said to Lot, <clears throat> excuse me, let me try that again. <laughs> Did y'all hear that crack? Boy, that was something else. <laughs> Abram said to Lot, oh. Abram said to Lot, let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and mine, for we are what? We're kinsmen. We're family. Okay, I love that. Is not Lot the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left, then I will go right. Or if you take the right, then I will go. Do you see what Abram's doing? Abram is giving Lot the choice. He's saying, look out. There's this quarreling happening here, but, but this shouldn't be. Look out. There's all, all these options before. If you go one way, I'll go the other. You go that way, I'll go this way. You go this way, I'll go that uh, let's just Let's not make this bigger than it is, the dispute. Which shows, first of all, that, that Abram was a man of God. He was a man who sought to, pre to preserve peace. How many of y'all know we should be that way? As Christians, we should not be combative. We should not be looking to start fights and conflicts. We should be those who, watch this, make peace 
We're not those who live to keep it. We make it. And sometimes to make it, how many of y'all know there needs to be some conflict? Sometimes there's got to be some conflict in your relationships to make the, the, the peace, okay? It's going to take some effort. Sometimes it gets nasty. Sometimes it gets, well, it can be hard. But, but Abram, he, he's like, okay, let's, let's just let's, let's do this peacefully. You go one way, I'll go the other. That's what he's saying. He was a man who was driven by a desire to bring peace in the family. And, and I love this response because Abram could have told Lot, bro, hit the road. Abram could have said, Lot, I knew I should have left you back in Haran or in Egypt or in Ur. Uh, There's a whole message right there. (laughs) I knew I shouldn't even brought you along in this journey. Abram could have said a lot to Lot, a lot of nasty things to Lot. But I, I love that he gave him the choice of which direction to go. And this was risky, wasn't it? Because Lot, looking out, could have gone and settled in the land that God promised Abram and his offspring. He could have just gone and hijacked and claimed some promise for himself. That wasn't likely, but it was possible. But Abram, watch, I love this. Abram was, was, was so driven by faith in the promise of God that he was calm, cool, and collected. And he was a man who gave the option, and he did so because he did not want unnecessary strife with this family member. I love this about him. But this was risky business. And I wrote it this way. Abram gave Lot the first choice while knowing that God was responsible for the final outcome. How many of y'all have enough faith to believe that, yes, you make wise decisions, yes, you make wise choices, yes, we are responsible, but how many of y'all are thankful that the outcome belongs to the Lord and that's not on you? Here's what's on you, to have faith and to trust God's word, to walk in obedience, that's what you do, and thank God he does the rest. The Bible says the lot is cast in the lap, but every decision is from the Lord. How many of y'all are glad God's sovereign? How many of y'all are glad God thought about you before you were you? How many of y'all are thankful that along the way in your journey, God has provision marked out for you? You don't have to strive. You don't have to grasp. You don't have to push people out of your way. You don't have to be ugly. You don't have to climb the corporate ladder. You just trust God. You trust Christ. He's made a way. Cling to him, and he will make your steps secure. You don't even have to watch your back. Do I know what people mean by that? How many of y'all know you serve the one who neither sleeps nor slumbers, and he is watching your back? You say, how do I know? Because you're here today. How do I know? Because you're in Christ today. How do I know? Because you should, some of you shouldn't be here, but you are here today because the God of covenant is on your side, and he's watching your back, baby. So, so here we see in this story, Abram standing firm in faith because he was so secure God had given him this promise. He wasn't going to live in in anxiety and fear. He walked as a man of God, firmly trusting him. Earlier, I talked in detail about strife. And and see if this makes sense to you. I, I wrote this down. I think it might be helpful to explain this further. Strife often begins with the fear of lack. Strife between you and somebody else often Uh, is often driven by a fear of lack. In other words, you want something that you don't get, at least not immediately. Somebody else has it. And then don't we at times, you don't have to answer out loud, when we've prayed and we don't get the blessing, isn't it common for some people to think, God has forgotten me. God has forgotten us. And when that happens, when unbelief happens this way, then we can take it out on people this way. We can go after people this way. And if it's not after them physically, it's emotionally we covet. And and we have this jealousy in us that wants what other people have. Listen, when you know who you are and whose you are, when you walk in covenant with God to know that he is your provider, you won't worry about what anybody else has because more than anything, you have him and he has you. And if you're in relationship with him, he's going to take care of you. Don't worry about your life. Don't be like the world. Be like those walking in covenant with him. So Jesus says, don't worry about your life, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to put on. Don't worry about those things because your father knows that you need them. 
How many of y'all know God knows about every relationship you need, every financial resource you need? God knows everything that you need. And listen, y'all, you can, you can rest in him knowing that he has your best interest at heart. He has your best interest at heart. There's something about that, y'all, that makes you just rest. I don't have to fight somebody to get my way. I can trust God's word. Lord, if you want me to have that, whatever it is, you're going to make a way. You're going to make a way. Abram, man, he's operating out of a good spirit here. This is a fine, fine moment for him. At this point in his walk, Abram is very secure with himself and his relationship with God. It's a moment where he shines. Because Abram knew wherever light goes, didn't matter. God had made a promise to him. It doesn't matter where other people go, what other people have. Make this personal for you. God has made promises to you. And if God has made promises to you, if God has decided to give you something, then you're never going to change God's mind. And no one can take what God has freely given you unless you surrender and say, no, 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 but that's mine. But I grasp, I grab a hold of it by faith. That's the grasp, it's faith. I, I, Lord, I believe your word. I believe your promises. Therefore, we walk by faith, not by strife. We walk by faith, not by, say it with me, strife. Listen, Christians, walk by faith, not by strife. We walk as covenant partners with God. But sometimes, unfortunately, we live like functional atheists. Meaning, when we don't pray and when we don't trust, maybe we believe, of course, there's a God out there, but when we're not truly trusting him, that could be a sign of practical, well, God, I believe you're there, but I don't really trust that you are able to do anything here. It's like this wild sense of atheism that some Christians walk in. Uh, Craig Rochelle wrote about that years ago. But how many of y'all know it's, it's important to believe in God, but also believe God? He's not just there. He's here. Some people believe he's there, but not functionally here which is a form of unbelief. I love here that, that, that Abram stood his ground, gave Lot the choice, and here's what happened. At this point, Lot makes his choice. Y'all know the story? Lot makes his choice. Genesis 13, verse 10. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw. You see that? You see that? He saw. That the Jordan Valley was what? Well watered. Everywhere like the garden of the, like the garden of Eden. Wow. Like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zoar. This was before the Lord destroyed, what's it say? I got a whole message on that coming in the spring. But you see the writer kind of snuck it in. Here, this was before the Lord destroyed that land. Verse 11. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus, they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as, what does it say? As far as Sodom. Verse 13, now the men of Sodom were what? Talk to me a little bit. Were what? Were wicked. What kind of sinners? Great sinners against the Lord. Now, hold that in your mind for just a minute. Lot and Abram were standing in the land. Lot looked up, made the first choice, and he looked out. And he saw the land to the east. Abram... We're going to see, looked out, and he saw much more than that. Both are standing in the land of promise, but Lot looked up and saw the land of problems. Except he didn't know. He didn't see it all at once. But this is, y'all, this is insane in the membrane. Watch this. They're both there. 
Possessions are great. They got they to split up. But Lot goes from standing with the man of promise in or near the land of promise initially, but then as you play the story out, ends up living in a place called Sodom. Let's call that the place of destruction. How do you go from standing with the man of promise in the land of promise to living in the land of Sodom? How do you go from here to there? That's a good question to ask, isn't it? How do you go from here to there? And I, and I don't mean a place, I mean a mindset. And the mindset will take you to a place. How do you go from here to there? Well, let's look at this together. If you're taking notes, write this down very simply. First, here, here's the progression. First, we're told that Lot lifted up his eyes and he saw. He saw the land. You say, what's the big deal about that? Well, in itself, seeing is okay. There's nothing wrong with seeing I see you, you see me, we see each other. Sight is a good thing. But what I want you to see here is that he lifted up his eyes. And this wasn't just, just something that he just saw. It was something that, look, look, look right here, y'all. He saw. <laughs> he saw. He saw first physically that the land was well watered. Like the Garden of Eden, like water, provision. I mean, everything was there. He looked, he saw. And he saw that it was like Egypt. Now, remember the journey? They were just in Egypt. God brought them out. Fear drove them in. Favor got them out. But, oh, he looked at it and he said, whoa, this brings back some good memories. This is like Egypt. How many of y'all know Lot was out of Egypt, but the Egypt wasn't out of him? And that's true of Israel, too. God, God delivered the, uh, the Israelites from Egypt, but then they're murmuring and complaining, saying, well, at least back in Egypt we had... Bah. In other words, okay, God, thank you for getting us out, but we were better off back in Egypt. How many of y'all know that sin and unbelief? If you ever want to go back to the place that Jesus delivered you from, that is the sin of unbelief. Why would we ever want to go back to the place, to the things, to the sins, to the bondage, to all of the things that Christ delivered us from? Well, because we're not seeing things clearly. We're not seeing things God's way. Here in the story, we're told, Lot saw the land was like Egypt. And there was nothing wrong with what he saw, but Lot was led strictly by sight, by the flesh, and not by faith. Eve saw that the fruit was fill in the blank. Ecclesiastes 1 says that the eye never has enough what? Seeing. Jesus, uh, uh, John says, on one hand, Jesus says, love the world, but then you know, in the sense of love, love, love people, love your brothers and sisters. But First John says, do not love the world, meaning the sinful ways of the world, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. How many of y'all know that I never has enough seeing? There's nothing wrong with seeing beautiful things. But in this case, it was Lot looking, seeing according to the flesh, that is the natural, that is the sinful nature, not seeing things according to the promise. And that's one of our biggest problems, is that we oftentimes see, we look according to the natural, according to the flesh, not according to the spirit and the word of God. Now watch this. This is wild how this unfolds. The irony of this story is that Lot saw the land, but he did not see the problems in the land, at least not initially. Isn't that a picture of how it can be for us when we are led strictly by sight? Let me give you an example to, to make this clear. Uh, over two just over two decades ago, I, I saw Kelly, my wife now, for the first time. And I saw her, I saw her, and then I'm like, wow, she's beautiful. She's beautiful. How many of y'all know my wife? She's beautiful. But it wasn't enough, it wasn't enough for me to look at her and say just because she's beautiful that she needs to be my wife. I needed to know that not only was she beautiful on the outside as I saw it, but I, want, I wanted a woman of God beautiful on the inside. Meaning, not a perfect woman, but I wanted a woman who loved God more than she loved me. But think about if I had made a decision looking out and I just chose a woman just based on beauty, 
but no other standards, no other, no other biblical standards. If I wasn't looking at holiness and her love for God, how many of you know if you judge just according to the flesh, according to sight, you can't end up in the wrong place? Does that make sense? So when I saw her, I'm like, she's beautiful, but I need to know, does she love God? Is she walking holy? Is she a woman of the word? I did not expect perfection because she wasn't going to get that from me, but I did expect for her to, yes, be what I thought was beautiful on the outside, but a woman of God on the inside. How many of y'all know when you make decisions just according to the natural, that can get you into a lot of trouble? There are things that look good to you, but ultimately won't be good for you. There are things that look good, but aren't God, meaning it's not God's will for your life for you to choose that. I'm just saying this over y'all. There are going to be opportunities Business deals, relationships, and opportunities that are going to look good to you at first glance. You're going to look out to the east, and you're going to be like, man, that, that's the Lord. Maybe, maybe not. What I'm asking that we all do is take a minute. Let, let's, let's take a minute. Let's, let's take a step back. And let's first say, what does the Word say? What does the Word of God say? We need to go to the Word. We need to consult the Holy Spirit, and we need to get around sound counsel, men and women of God who are filled with the Word of God, who can help us see things perhaps we can't see. Does that make sense? To spare us a lot of problems. There are people, Christians, good people, godly people that love Him, but they, they see something, and because they see it, they think it's the Lord, they step out into it, and they find that they're walking into a destructive situation, into a destructive, unhealthy relationship. How many of y'all know the days are evil? Paul said that approximately 2,000 years ago. If that was true then, how many of y'all know the days are evil? And we need discernment more than ever. Pray, God, give me discernment. I don't want to just see according to the naked eye. I want to see things your way so that I can walk in your will. Does that make sense? Let Saul, according to the flesh, and he moved that direction, which leads us to the second thing. He saw it, but then he seized the opportunity, and he separated from Abram and headed east. What a story. We're told, thus, they separated from each other. Abram gave him the choice. Lot, go ahead. Abram gave him that. But you know what's crazy? You know, and this is all in retrospect. Lot didn't even consult the decision. He didn't consult Abram for the decision he was about to make. Hey, Lot could have looked down and said, man, that, that way looks awesome. What do you think, Abe? Lot saw it. And isn't this how temptation works? We see it. We seize the opportunity, and you don't have to answer out loud. There are times you, you know you shouldn't go in that direction, and because you know, but you still want it, you don't consult anybody about it because you already made up your mind. Am I talking to the right people? Each and every one of us in varying degrees. We see it. We're seized by it. We seize it. Then we separate ourselves from sound counsel. Because we know what they're going to tell us. <laughs> Am I the only one? <laughs> oh, you already know the right thing to do. Well, why don't you call somebody because I know what they're going to tell me and I want to do something different? Why don't you run that up, you know, the chain of command? Why don't you talk to that, you know, that pastor or that small group leader and internally you're like, because I know if I do... He or she's going to tell me something I don't want to hear because I've already got my mind made up. I saw it. I've seized it, and I'm going to separate from some council. I'm going that way. And how many of y'all know? It's crazy how you can love God. You can, you can come to church and sing and sing Chris Tomlin songs and Hillsong and have your Bible, go to all the Christian stuff. And you can be in that. But when you break out from sound council, little by little, one day, you find yourself living in Sodom. It's a sad, but sure, progression. Or I should say, regression. Watch how this works. He saw it. He was seized by it. He separated from Abram. And, and, and here's what's incredible about this. this. This is on the other side, of course. We're looking back. Hindsight's twenty twenty. 
Looking back, Lot could have given up some of his possessions, some of his stuff. Lot could have said, Abram, here's my, here's, here's my, here's my choice. Your God is my God. Where you go, I'm going to go, even if it means I have to give up some of my stuff, being with you and being in the promise is worth it. I'm going to give up these things if it means walking in covenant with you. How many of y'all know it's going to cost us something to walk in unity in our homes, in our marriages, in the church? It's going to cost us something. And I'm not talking about your tithe. I'm talking about your preferences and your opinions. It's going to give us... It's going to require us giving up some things to say, you know what, I got this stuff, I've got my opinions, but I'm willing to set these aside if it means walking with you. Think if we all preferred one another in that way. I'm going to lay aside these possessions, these things, Lot could have said, because I don't want them to possess me. I want to walk with you. He could have said that. He didn't say that. Instead, he saw the land. He was seized by that opportunity. He seized it. He separated from Abram, and he headed east, out and away from the promise of God. Wow. What a story. What a tragedy. Third, we're almost done. Watch this. Lot settled. He saw it. He seized. He separated. Then he settled in the land but then move towards Sodom, towards sin, and toward destruction. Now the men of Sodom were what? Wicked. And there's no way to like make this nice. How many of y'all know we don't need to change the, the Bible? Let the Bible change us. Right? Hello? Don't change it. Don't soften it. You know, that doesn't sound very, I mean, it is what it is, right? They were wicked they were great sinners against the Lord. So Lot moved that direction. But here's what I want you to see. It wasn't, whoop, like he just like flew, of course. Like he just stepped and just went straight into Sodom. He settled, picked up his tent, and he moved. Here's, here, here are the key words. Little by Jensen Franklin, a great preacher, he said, I remember this from from. 20 years ago, I was listening to the sermon on my, my discman. Y'all have heard me talk. I didn't have, you know the CD player, the anti-skip? Y'all have that? Rich people, did y'all have that? My, my anti-skip, I had the cushion between my seats and my car, and I put, had the discman on top of the cushion, so I hit bumps. The cushion would cushion, it wouldn't skip. I remember listening to Jensen, for, anyway, he's a great preacher. I remember him saying, all those years ago, he's preaching on sin. He said, it's not like you just like walk down the street to get a gallon of milk and you fell into adultery. Like, baby, I'm going to go grab some milk. And while you're out, you just fall into adultery. How many of you know you don't just, you don't just fall into anything? It is one step at a time. How many of y'all know we're supposed to walk with the Lord? But, oh, but when we're led by what we see and what we C looks better than what God says, we begin to move back one step at a time. Little by little. And it all begins here, doesn't it? In that battleground in your mind, as it's commonly called, between your ears, in your heart, that's where the war begins and that's where it's fought. So whatever the temptation is, often it's little by little, incremental deception. The, the devil is smart enough not to put some massive, huge lie on you at once. He's strategic to string us along little by little by little. And I can't prove this, but it's logical to say that when we give in to the little compromise one after another, it's like the devil and the demons are saying, good, we got something to work with. We don't have to accomplish this thing overnight. Let's just keep them going little by little to the land of Sodom. Does that make sense? I'm talking about your life and the temptations that will, that, that will confront you and me. And when we make that decision, the little, little decision, well, then it becomes easier. You don't have to agree but it does to sin more. Oh, you do it the first time. Maybe, oh, but then, but then it's easier to do it. 
Move that way the second time. And little by little by little by little, you find yourself, you are standing in the promise, walking with the Lord, going to church, in your small group. But then because you're living by what you could see rather than what God says, you moved away from the promise. And I'm not talking about a place. I'm talking about a mindset that leads you into compromise. Is anybody preaching on this stuff today? Is anybody? I I think there are people. But this stuff doesn't make you feel good at all, does it? Or are you going, man, I want to change the world. Let me tell you the fastest way to ruin your world is to ignore this message. My God. People better, godlier, holier than you can imagine. I mean, great men, great women of God who failed in private long before they failed in public. You see them as failures here. It's because it happened here in the little by little. Because they settled and they started pitching their tents toward the place of destruction. God help us all. It's when you're not having a good time in your marriage. And then you see an opportunity. Well, she, well, she, not even appearance-wise, she talks to me the right way. He, you see it. I'm not getting that at home. I don't get that kind of respect. You see how the devil is so strategic? Getting you to see things, what you think are promises, in a land, in a person, in a relationship that God never promised. There are people who aren't in church on Sundays today. And Sundays in, in the future, they won't, they won't come. Not because they're bad people, because they maybe saw a better opportunity of something better to do on Sunday. First time, second time, third and then you, how many of y'all know, when you get in the habit, first time, man, if you don't put your foot down with whatever it is and say, no, I'm not going to be led by sight. I'm going to be led by the word of God. If you, don't, if you don't put your foot down, boy, it is easy to continue in that trajectory away from the people of God. Are you still a Christian? Yes. But how many of y'all know Jesus is in heaven And he's all we need for salvation. But the Jesus in heaven said to us on earth, we are the body of Christ and we need one another. How many of y'all know the devil wants to to divide us and to separate us and to get us alone? And y'all know you can be in a building. Here's a crazy thing. You can be in a big gathering, be around people, but still be all alone if you're not connected with people in your life who can help you see what you can't see. Are y'all receiving this today? Let me me, me land the plane here. So much here. He settled, then he moved. And he ended up living in the land of Sodom. Lot saw, he looked and he saw the Jordan Valley. But God showed Abram, I love this, the entire land. How many of y'all know we need God's help? We need his help so that we can see everything he wants us to see. There's something about sin that makes us do foolish things. We see an opportunity. We seize it. And, and I think we can all agree, sin in varying degrees, it's pleasurable. The Bible says it's pleasurable. It's fun, we can say, for a season. So Lot goes to the place, based on what he saw, that was pleasurable for a time. But eventually destruction came. God showed Abram, the whole land. And it wasn't about the immediate situation. God said, Abram, God said, this is the land before you, not for you, but for your offspring. This is bigger than you. The blessing is bigger than you. It's bigger than a moment. It's bigger than what you just see in front of you right here. It's beyond you, not just here, but to your offspring. How many of y'all want to make decisions that are good for you now, but for your offspring to walk in the promises? Let's wrap up here. Genesis 13, beginning of verse, in verse 14. The, the Lord said to Abram, after a lot has separated from him, lift up your eyes. And what? And what? Look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward for all the land that you what? 
that you see, I will give to you and to your, to your whom? Your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled. This is a good kind. He settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron. And there, and there, he built an altar to the Lord. Wow. What a story. What am I saying? Both men lifted up their eyes. Lot saw according to the flesh. But Abram saw according to the promise. They both saw, but only one saw things God's way. And how many of y'all know that made a world of difference? He saw. And what Abram saw wasn't immediately all that good. Why? Because there were Canaanites in the land. There were parasites in the land. The land was occupied. His wife's womb was still. It wasn't all rosy and peachy. But in the moment, Abram believed God. That God not only had good intentions, but he also had sufficient resources. My God has spoken, and that's enough for me. There, Abram built an altar to the Lord saying, I'm surrendering to you. I'm surrendering to your will. God, what you say will come to pass will come to pass. That's essentially what's going on here. Wow, what a story of faith, man. I'm reading this. I'm like, Abram, hold it. Don't move that. Like, keep that for the rest of your life. How many of y'all know things can change very quickly? Things will change very quickly. But watch this. Abram looked out and he saw the land. He saw the blessing. He saw the promise. But y'all, he saw more than just land. He saw more than just what was in front of him in the form of land. Go to the time of Jesus, approximately 2,000 years later. Listen, don't move, don't, 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 don't move. Watch this. Jesus said to the Jews of his day, your father who? Your father who? Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. Abraham looked, he, he rejoiced, he saw my day. He saw it, we're told. Jesus says he saw it. And what was he? He was glad. What is he talking about? Jesus is saying that when Abram looked up, when he saw the promise, he was reminded of the fact that the promise was that through him, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Abram knew it wasn't just about him and him getting his. It was about him walking in obedience and faith to God. And that through him, through his faith, through his lineage, eventually a Savior would be born. How many of y'all know that a Savior came out of Israel in the line of Israel started with Abraham? Abraham saw what his faith, more than anything, what God would do and he was glad. Come on. He saw things God's way. And he rejoiced. Jesus said, he saw my day, but he was fired up. That's the Scott Adams translation. He was glad. He saw my day. And he was glad. God hasn't promised me land. But if he wants to give me some, I need some acreage. Just, you know, maybe between here and Alexandria, it'd be great. He has not promised me land. But God did promise the world that a Jewish son would be born. Who would come from heaven to the earth. And this Jewish carpenter named Jesus would lay down his life so that Jews and Gentiles, so that people in Israel and people in other nations so that people living in deception, people Hamas and people in Islam, people from false religions steal in by faith and repentance. This Jewish carpenter, he came to stretch out his hands to pay for the sins of the world so that both Jew, Gentile, and all the lost could come to the Father. It's not land for me. There's a whole other message on the land, but the promise was a son. The promise 
was a Jewish Messiah who would come. And he's the only one who can bring true, lasting shalom to Israel and the nations of the world. His name is Jesus, your Savior. He's the only one. He's the only one. Lastly, I want you to see this. Lot broke away from Abram. Lot separated from Abram. And he went east. He broke away and he went to the land of destruction. But if you know the rest of the story, read on to the next chapter and chapters. Well, Lot gets taken captive. You remember the story? Abram's, his family member gets taken captive because the four kings and the five, you can read the story. Guess who came to Lot's rescue? The Bible says that Abram had 318 trained men from the house to go rescue Lot from that captivity. How many of y'all know? That's a lot like us. We're a lot like Lot. We've all separated from God. We've all gone our own way. We've all gone east. How many of y'all are thankful that God, through Christ, removes our sin as far as the east is from the west? No matter how far we run, God had a son from the house that he sent from the house to die in our place so that we can go to that house and be one. Jew, Gentile, white, black, all people everywhere who have faith in Christ have access to the promise. Are y'all seeing this? Lot went east. Christ came down. Trained men, we're told, from Abram's house. We were rescued by the only son from the father who came full of grace and truth. Who stretched out his hands on the cross to rescue us. And to deliver us from sin, from the penalty of sin and from the power of sin to rescue and ransom and redeem us. So if you're in Christ, you are heirs according to the promise. Everything promised to Abraham is ours in Jesus Christ. Abram saw his day, Jesus' day, and he rejoiced. Man, as I look up today, as I look out, challenge is to see things God's way. The world is in conflict. Maybe for you, you say, my family is in conflict. There's disease, there's famine, there's war across the world. We have a lot of reasons in the natural to be alarmed, don't we? Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't be alarmed. These things must take place. All this is what I want you to, to know. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to leave this place today, and by the word of God, I want you to see yourself, and I want you to see your life God's way. And let me tell you something. God is not done in this world. Jesus is coming back, and he is going to overthrow all of the evil, all of the sin. The serpent came in in Genesis 3. Revelation 20 says he's going to be cast out. And there is a land promised for all of us in the end. It's called the new heaven and the new earth. How many of y'all are glad the best is yet to come, baby? So don't you, don't you dare. Don't you dare lose heart. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I truly pray today that everyone here has been equipped and inspired to see things your way. And if you will right now, I want you right where you are, just lift your hands. If you've got a burden, if you're burdened today, if you're broken today, maybe you find yourself, maybe you've moved east a bit and you're alarmed, you're awakened today by the, re the reality of what I've shared and the conviction of the Spirit. Whatever it is for you today, no matter how far east you've gone, you can come back today because of Jesus the Son. And that's not just people who've, who've run away, so to speak, in their heart from God, but... It's just for you, maybe you've been living in a place of unbelief outside of the revealed will of God and you want to come back to the promise, live close to the Christ who saved you. You want to walk in that fellowship. Right now, just move, get up, move west. By faith, that's repentance. Get up, turn around in your mind right now. Go back, 
Christ has wide open arms for you right now. Maybe you've been living in Sodom in a place of sin and unbelief and destruction. You can get up today. You can leave that place, come back into right standing with God. Come on, lift your hands with me right now. Lord, I know there's a spirit of fear that wants to come upon your people. And God, right now, we are reminded of your word. It says, you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind, self-discipline. God, thank you for that spirit. We will not go to Egypt. We will not go to Sodom. We're going to stand in your word. We're going to stand in your will. Lord, by faith, we believe that the best is yet to come for us. And so, Father, we rejoice. Abraham saw your day, Jesus and he rejoiced and he was glad. We look back and we look forward because we see that you are coming back soon and your reward is with you. And we pray today, come, Lord Jesus, come. While the world moves towards Sodom, we move toward the new heaven and the new earth. Our sojourn is to a heavenly city, one that will one day become our earthly abode. Here, right here, where you make all things new. And so, Father, I pray wherever my friends are this afternoon now that you would minister to them, encourage them. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises. They are all yes and amen to the glory of God. And all of the 11 o'clock said at once, amen.